You're listening to the New Hope Church Podcast. To learn more about what we're doing on the south side of Indianapolis, you can check us out online at becomehope.com. If you like what you're hearing here, be sure you check out one of our companion podcasts. We have a daily devotional podcast called Let's Find Out Together, as well as an apologetics podcast called Salty Saints. Let's listen in. Today's talk comes from Zach Killian. I'm Zach. I'm a pastor here at New Hope. Um, thank you for everybody joining in at home. Thank you for everybody here. Um, heads up, I was sick two weeks ago. I'm going to have a cough for another month, so I apologize if I just like lose it halfway through here. But uh, that's your heads up. We are on our last week of 1 John, Live in the Light. That's our sermon series of the moment. We've been talking through the first two chapters of the book, um, and Today we're going to kind of culminate on why John is writing this letter, why John has written 1 John. Um, but in order to get there, I think we kind of have to recap. I think we've got to take a step back and look at what we've talked about in the previous weeks. John has asked a lot of really difficult questions. This is a hard book to talk about. It's a hard book to teach. It's a hard book to listen to because it's really convicting. It's, it's tough. And, uh, and so I want to look at a few of the things that he's kind of made us wrestle with. We, we've had to ask ourselves questions like, are you living in light or are you living in darkness? Are you living out truth? Are you living in the truth or are you living a lie? Do you have fellowship with one another? Are you close to your brothers and sisters in Christ? Do you have fellowship with Christ? Do you have fellowship with God? Have you truly accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Do you recognize that you have sinned? Do you recognize that you continue to sin? That you are a sinner in some capacity? Do you understand that? Is God's word in you? Do you live like you love God or do you live like you love the world? Do you love your fellow believer? Do you live like you love your fellow believer? Because John suggests that if you live like you don't love your fellow believer, then you hate them. He takes it all the way, right? Do you know that Jesus is the Christ? Do you know that he is the Messiah? Do you know that he is God made human flesh? That he lived, and then he died, and then he rose again, and he offers everlasting life to whoever will make him Lord of their life? These are hard questions. Who's John writing to? Let's look at 1 John 2, 12 through 14. He says this. He says, I am writing to you who are God's children because your sins have been forgiven through Jesus. I'm writing to you who are mature in the faith because you know Christ who existed from the beginning. I'm writing to you who are young in the faith because you have won your battle with the evil one. I have written to you who are God's children because you know the Father. I have written to you who are mature in faith because you know Christ who existed from the beginning. I have written to you who are young in the faith because you are strong. God's word lives in your hearts and you have won your battle with the evil one. So who's John writing to? God's children, those mature in the faith, and those young in the faith. That's what the NLT, the New Living Translation, tells us. What does the NIV translation tell us? 
He says, little children, fathers, and young men. Who's John writing to? Everybody. Everybody. Everybody in the church. Whether you want to take it as, oh, he's talking about physically age, right? Like, are you young? Are you, are you a child? Are you an adult? Or you could take it to, oh no, this is a spiritual concept. Are you young in the faith? Are you a baby Christian? Did you just accept Jesus yesterday and you don't know anything? Or have you been doing this for years? He's talking to the whole church. This is to the believers. So then we got to ask, well, wait. I thought, I thought you just said that he was asking all these hard questions like, well, do you live in the light or do you live in the darkness? Or, or, or do, you, do you live truth or a lie or do you love God or do you love the world? If he's talking to believers, then why is he asking these hard questions like that? Why would he ask that of believers? Well, because John is recognizing, look, I know you believe. I know who you are. I know that you know God. I know that you're strong in the faith. I know that you conquer evil. So, do you live in the truth or do you live a lie? Do you know God? Do you not know God? He's asking these questions because this, the short answer is, this is what Christians do. This is what believers do. We continue to ask ourselves the difficult questions. We never stop. How about this? When you get married, when you say the vows, you say the I do's, you kiss the bride, you kiss your husband, you're married. Do you get to keep living like you're not married? Do you, do you stop going on dates? Do you stop telling them that you love them? Do you stop committing yourself to them every day like this person is truly the other half of you? Like you make one full person. Do you do that? No. You commit yourself to that spouse every single day. You say, this is my person. I'm going to be for them today. And the reason we do that is because we recognize that that's what Jesus does for his church. He, would get, he gave his own life for his church. And so we're called to do the same thing, right? We commit ourselves daily. You sign up for a marathon. You're running the race. You're halfway through. Man, I'm tired. And I would be tired. But do you go home? Do you go home? No, you don't go home. You look at yourself and go, man, I, why am I chilling on the sideline? There's a finish line ahead. I signed up for this. I'm a marathon runner. Marathon runners cross finish lines. I'm going to go cross the finish line. I don't care how bad it hurts. I don't care how bad I want to go home. I'm going to cross the line. I'm going to run a race because that's what runners do. What is being a Christian? Is it saying a magic prayer sometime in your life and asking Jesus into your heart and then going about your business like nothing changed? Do you just keep going through life like you haven't just met the God of the universe and he hasn't just called you to be something more than you were? Do you live a life without scripture and a life without prayer and a life without fellowship with other believers and a life without repentance? No. You read the Bible. You pray every day. You pray continually. You have conversations with people that love Jesus. You keep talking to them. And when you find yourself down and out and living in sin, 
or you just catch that you just did something you shouldn't have, you repent, you take it to God. Constantly asking yourself the hard questions. Where am I? What am I doing right now? How am I living right now? That's important. You may be asking yourself, hey, this sounds a lot like where most of Zach's sermons go. It's almost like that's what the Bible says or something. It's pretty weird. But um, the reason we keep coming back to this is the same reason John writes the way he does. I want to look back at that verse. Could you pull that back up for me real quick, Sam? He says, I'm writing to you who are God's children. I'm writing to you who are mature in the faith. I'm writing to you who are young in the faith. Watch this. I have written to you who are God's children. I have written to you who are mature in the faith. I have written to you who are young in the faith. This isn't the first time John's telling them this. This isn't the first letter. This isn't the first time we've had this talk. And guess what? It's probably not going to be the last time. Because what John is doing is he's instilling an idea in these people. He's instilling a heartbeat of Christianity in these people. He's saying Christians ask themselves the hard questions. We're not complacent. We're not apathetic. We keep coming back to the hard questions. And we love our brothers and sisters, and so we ask them the hard questions. We don't just throw them to the wolves and say, figure it out. We ask them the hard questions too. The reason he's instilling this in them is because this is the heartbeat of Christianity. This is discipleship. We here at New Hope want to be all about discipleship. We want to be disciples that make disciples, that make disciples, that make disciples, that make disciples. What does that mean? We want to be students of Jesus. We want to look at the way Jesus lived his life and the way Jesus tells us to live our lives and say, what is the will of God? What is he trying to tell me? What do I need to do? We want to come to know the love of God. We want to be filled with joy and, and love and compassion because of who Jesus is and that he first did those things for us, that he first loved us. And then what we do is when we, take all, when we learn all that, we take that out into the world. Because there's a whole lot of people that don't know Jesus. And we want to go pour that love into them. We want to go pour that knowledge into them. We want to be there for them, actually loving them. Not just some transactional thing, but to actually love people. And then guess what? If you look all around you, there's a whole bunch of people in this room that love Jesus and want to be disciples of Jesus. And so they're learning too. And so what you do is you come along together and you say, hey, I need you to build me up. Because I have problems. I've got a whole bunch of them. And I want to get rid of them because I want to be better. And I want to be, be better for this world. And I, I want to I bring people to know Jesus because Jesus is life. And so I want, you to, I want you to come alongside me and lift me up. And I want to come alongside you. And I want to lift you up. Can we do that? That's discipleship. 
That's what changes the world. I just want to let you know something. You're all very blessed here. Very much so. I want to take a moment and brag on three guys that I know. Their names are Bob, Randy, and Jason. Not me. I'm a big dummy. But I want to brag on them. Because they'll never brag on themselves because they're too humble. They're good dudes. But I wish you could all be there in a pastor's planning meeting. I wish you could see how much time and effort and thought goes into every little detail of this place. Of trying to be better for not just our congregation, but our community. And not just our community, but our world. How much thought goes into that on a day-to-day basis. I wish you could see the texts I get at midnight of Jason just getting a thought last minute and being like, hey, what if we did this? And I'm like, dude, I'm tired. But he's, he's, he's thinking, man. He, they're always thinking. They're always loving. They're always trying. Okay, tell you what. I want to brag on our staff. Wanda, Jimmy... Stacy, Stephanie, everybody, right? They've all got their own little piece of this thing that they head up, right? They're all leaders within this facility. And they all are in constant prayer. How can we be better for these kids? How can we be better for the parents of these kids? How can we make these facilities more accommodating to the people that walk in here? How can we have better community outreach? Constantly. Constantly in prayer. Constantly asking God where to go next. We meet. In, in our staff meetings to go, hey, how's your ministry? How can we pray for you? We, they pray for each other. The staff cares about this place. I want to talk about the council here. You've got a good council here. Know how I know? Because they like each other. <laughs> and I promise, I grew up in the church. My dad was an elder. That is not a common occurrence, all right? They don't always like each other. They like each other. They love each other. They love this church. They love you. They love this community. And they make hard decisions, hard money decisions, hard people decisions. And it all starts with prayer. Not just alone, together. Because they care and they want to make this place better. But let me tell you something. Churches don't run on pastors. And churches don't run on staff. And churches don't run on councils. Churches run on you. You are the church. You make the church work. It's you. We need you. The future of the church needs you. Let's get real for a second. Numbers are down. We're a church of 250 people. When we talk about this place, we're like, ah, yeah, 400, 400, 300, 350, 400. No, 250. 250, that's the number. And until we get real about that, we can't address it. We can't change it. We can't make it better. And before you go, wait, Zach, what are we doing wrong? It's not us. It's everywhere. It's the American church And it happened during COVID. Numbers plummeted. So it's COVID's fault. It's not COVID's fault. COVID showed the sickness. That's what happened. COVID brought the sickness to life. The American church has been sick for a very, very long time. We have stored up our faith in a pastor-centric model. 
If we just put the right guy in the pulpit, if we just get the next Billy Graham, we're going to have a new revival. It'll bring everything back. If we just put the right staff in place, then we'll have a good youth program. Then we'll pull in the parents. We'll get butts in seats. That's what matters, right? We'll just put a good council in because then they can okay the things that we want to do. We just need a bigger stage. We need more lights. We need to be more appealing to people that aren't part of the church. We just need to look like the world. No. That's not what makes the church work. We have neglected discipleship. That's the heartbeat of the church. That's what makes the church grow. It's not about butts and seats. Those are great. We like them. That's not how you measure church growth. You measure it by the spiritual discipline of the people in your church. Do they love Jesus? Does their heart beat for Jesus? Are they trying? Are they asking hard questions? It runs on you. Guess what? I could stand up here and I could preach the best sermon you've ever heard. If I, if I were capable of that, if I just brought tears to your eyes, just convicted your heart, and you walked out of here moved, that still doesn't make disciples. That's not what makes people love Jesus. That's not how you spread the gospel. Did you know that what we do, what we've based all our efforts on as the church, the American church, getting somebody to stand up and speak to a room, did you know that's the least effective way to bring challenge to a group of people? It's not bad. It's fine. It's good. We should do it. But it's not how change takes place in people. Do you know what the most effective way to bring challenge to a person is? Two flesh and blood human beings sitting across from each other having a real conversation, not being fake, not acting like they've got it all together, being real, asking hard questions of themselves and each other, and telling them about Jesus. Looking at that person and saying, oh yeah, no, I'm a train wreck, but you should have seen me before I met this guy named Jesus. Discipleship doesn't start in the pulpit. Discipleship doesn't start in the band. Discipleship doesn't start in a new church model. Discipleship starts in your seat. We need you. The church needs you. You all have gifts. God made you all very differently. And if you're sitting there and you're like, oh, well, I'm too young, or I'm too old, or no, God doesn't need me. He can't use me. Guess what? John wrote to the kids, to the adults, and to the young guys. Everybody. There is a place for everybody. And you know why? Because you all have gifts. You all have talents. Maybe you don't even think it is a gift. And it doesn't have to be a spiritual gift. We all have those, but there's plenty of other gifts. Maybe you're just good at listening to people. Guess what? We got lots of people that need heard. There's lots of people in this world that need an ear to talk to. Just to listen. Maybe you're good with money. Maybe you're a good business person. We're trying to start non-for-profits. We're trying to start something called the Uncommons to bridge a gap between the church and the people that are never going to walk into a church. We need you. We need your expertise. We need your help. Maybe you're a connector. Maybe you're a people person. Maybe you just know lots of people and you know how they can plug in and, and, and help out. Put us in contact with them. We need them. We need your help. We need your contact list. Maybe you're good at teaching. 
We need teachers. We have tons of small groups. We need facilitators for things like Rooted and, and for our, our home groups. We need you. Maybe you're good with kids. Guess what? Youth group. We're going to need new volunteers coming up in middle school soon. I don't know about high school, but I'm sure they could use help. We can always use help. We want our youth group to grow and be better. It doesn't matter what your gift is. We need it. We need you. Don't wait for the next guy. Don't think I'm not qualified. God made you qualified. You're the guy. You're the girl. We need you. It runs on you. I want to look at 1 John 2, 28 through 29. It says, And now, dear children, remain in fellowship with Christ, so that when he returns, you will be full of courage and not shrink back from him in shame. Since we know that Christ is righteous, we also know that all who do what is right are God's children. Jesus is coming back one day. We don't want to stand before him afraid and guilty and to distance ourselves. We want to run to him with open arms and say, look, I know I've messed up, but I check myself constantly and I'm trying, Jesus. I have tried to walk your way. I have tried to be who you've made me to be. And I know that you're with me and I know that you love me. We don't want to run from him in fear. We want to be able to come and say, I, I, I spread your news. I loved people. I tried to be who you told me to be. That's who we want to be. We want to be filled with joy. And the funny thing is John talks about that. At the very beginning of this letter, in John 1, 3-4, he says this, We proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. We're writing these things so that you may fully share our joy. We want you to have fellowship with us because we have fellowship with God. We have fellowship with Jesus. His Holy Spirit lives in us. That's what John's writing to this church. John is like, hey, listen, we know that you're believers. We know that you love Jesus. And so I'm going to bring all this effective challenge to you. I am going to ask you such hard questions. He doesn't shy away from it. He recognizes how difficult what he's asking is. But he's saying, but if you're really in this, if you really love Jesus, then you're going to keep asking these hard questions. And if you're doing that, if you're doing that, if you're constantly checking yourself and trying to be better for this world and for Jesus, then we know you're with us. And that's all we want. We want you to share in the joy of Jesus Christ with us. And guess what? If we love people like we say we love people, there's a whole lot of people out there that don't know Jesus. There's a whole lot of people walking around in darkness. There's a whole lot of people that, that the life isn't in them because life only comes from Jesus Christ. We're called to be light. We're called to be life to the people that we encounter. Discipleship means going out there and spreading that fellowship to the people that don't know Jesus yet. It's not about getting more people from other churches in this room. Because that's what's happening at the moment. People are just shuffling around from church to church, and that's fine. That's good. We want you here. But we want people that don't know Jesus to know Jesus. 
We want them to share in the joy of Jesus with us. We have a job to do. And we are equipped. Let's go do it. Thanks for tuning in to the New Hope Church podcast. If you would do us a favor and like or subscribe on your favorite platform, we would really appreciate it. Also, if you happen to have any questions, feel free to reach out to us at questions at becomehope.com. Have a great week and know that we are praying for you as you seek to be Jesus in every corner of your world.